Now, the making of a good compilation tape is a very subtle art. Are you ready? Yes. No, babe, are you ready? Do you know what a cassette is? Play it. Don't you want to hear what's next? I don't hear any music. I made that tape special for today. So, music? A show where we basically create a mixtape for you, like we did in the 90s. I just, I thought this tape was going to be a conversation stimulator. Cassette, cassette, cassette. Welcome to the mixtape. Every week we are serving up an hour-long mixtape. 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 90.3 KRNU, welcome to the mixtape. Every week we have a new mixtape for you. So the theme this week for our mixtape is the Lesser Free Trade Hall show on June 4th, 1976. Now that seems very specific, but any music fan will know why that is an important date, an important show. And I'm here with Mark Wilson, who is just an all around music guy, music enthusiast, punk fan, um, music producer. I don't know, I've, I've rarely met someone who is as passionate about music as I am, and that is Mark. So thanks for being here. Oh, well, thanks for having me, definitely. I'm very excited. No, when I asked you to talk about this show and that Sex Pistols show, I knew if I said, hey, do you want to talk about the Lesser Free Trade Hall show, you would know exactly what I was talking about. One of the most exciting times in music since I think uh, Elvis came on to the Ed Sullivan show, it was... Uh, it was a powder keg and it was ready to ignite. And I mean, all the stars aligned and we've got basically the, the kernel of the modern music that we love today. I mean, everything that was in that show, the people that saw that show, they helped create the baseline for alternative music as we know it to this day. We are talking about the Sex Pistols show in 1976 at Lesser Free Trade Hall. They played a couple of them, but that mm -hmm. very first show. So the story goes that Howard DeVoto and Pete Shelley saw an article in NME about the Sex Pistols. So they went to London to see the Sex Pistols, saw them. That would have been in mm -hmm. the winter, you know, January, February area. And they wanted the Sex Pistols to come and play Manchester because they wanted mm -hmm. the band that they were kind of sort of forming at that time the buzzcocks to open the sex pistols are like yeah we'll do that and they came and did it but the buzzcocks weren't ready so they didn't actually open that show and there were only between 40 and 50 people in attendance yeah. at this show and so this is a sex pistol show the sex pistols don't even have sid vicious yet that glenn matlock <laughs> who was actually a a, a a serviceable bassist which was you know not what sid vicious not punk was. enough yeah exactly <laughs> Yeah, they're like, you're too good. I'm going to need you to yeah, get out yeah. of here. <laughs> yeah. Well, he Glenn was a little bit more um, rock and roll than punk. I mean, it, I think one of the major critiques they had of Glenn Matlock was he still wore bell-bottom pants, you know, so. <laughs> well, it's funny, know. this Sex Pistols show, it's interesting because they don't really look like what we think the Sex Pistols looked like at this show. Mm -hmm. The whole punk aesthetic, uh, well, it, it grew from the i mean just sheer poverty of these kids hanging out i mean we're talking post-industrial england and there were no jobs for any anybody inflation was through the roof i mean they nobody could afford anything everybody was on the dole you know on welfare and uh basically it was just uh, throw stuff together it's a lot like the grunge movement at, at the beginning but then vivian westwood got involved and that became um kind of the ultra uh, punk aesthetic, you know, it was throw this on from here, 
you know, this from here and anything shocking that you could possibly throw into the mix that would go on there too. So Malcolm McLaren, who was their manager and Vivian Westwood, you, you referenced this, they had a store uh, called let it rock. And then they later changed the name to just sex, which is where sex pistols came from. And these dudes Mm -hmm. were, they just hung around the store. I mean, the scene was so important at the time into the the glam rock aesthetic to begin with uh that was that also kind of influenced the punk aesthetic because of just the glam rockers were there to shock as well i mean mark bolin and david bowie they were out on the edge of everything well and i know malcolm mclaren was connected with the new york dolls Mm -hmm. so Yes, all of that just kind of builds. And then um, and then the Sex Pistols were formed. So they play this iconic show. Only 40 people are there, yep. roughly. And I, I can't, I'm not a math major, but <laughs> there are so many amazing bands that came out of just the little tiny nucleus of people who were at this show. I mean, if you did it, it's mm-hmm. like 20 or 25% of the people at this show got famous. <laughs> How ridiculous yeah. is that? Yeah, Great Britain and its population. It's... It's a lot smaller. I mean, to get a gold record in Britain, you sell 50,000 records. A tiny splash here is a giant splash in Britain. It didn't take very much to get your name in the press. That was really a big driver of a lot of the musical success that came out of Britain. On this episode, we want to get into, yes, we want to play the Sex Pistols, and we're going to start there because that was who this show was. The Sex Pistols mm-hmm. were the headliner here, but we, I want to kind of scatter out to what happened after that. And I, I want to be careful not to make it seem like this is uh, causation versus correlation. There's nothing yeah. that says these bands formed because they saw the Sex Pistols, but I don't think that you can deny that that many people who went on to do this many great things all showed up there for a reason. Exactly. And people looking at something and saying, hey, I can do that. Political, social, things like that. Those are our prime movers. And if you can, if you can see something that is that visceral in person, that's going to drive you to do something. You know, it, it's just, it's, it's impossible for it not to. So. And this this is political. We're going to start with a very political song, and they debuted it at this Lesser Free Trade Hall show, Anarchy in the UK. So we'll do that one first. It's the mixtape on 90.3 KRNU. <laughs>
I get no love? What do I get? No sleep at night. What do I get? Nothing is nice. What do I get? Nothing at all, 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 KRNU back to the mixtape talking about the 1976 June 4th Lesser Free Trade Hall show with the Sex Pistols, their iconic kind of roots of punk show and all of the amazing scatter bands that sort of came out of this moment being in the crowd and then going off to do fantastic things. And we've got a real range of music today. We just heard the Buzzcocks and that is a, I mean, they're very they're a punk band they're a punk rock band but not everything we play is gonna feel super punk today um Mm -hmm. which doesn't mean it doesn't have its roots in punk which is why we're doing this show i am joined by mark wilson and we're talking a little bit about the show and the sex pistols but i'm so excited to start talking about joy division because i know you're a huge fan oh yeah tell me what it is about joy division that you love and when you got into them uh, well, I, I got to say, I came to Joy Division through New Order. A lot of people do. Chronologically uh, it, backwards, but it makes yeah, sense. Yeah. I mean, you got to get there somehow. But the pure, dark and joyful feeling of it, you know, it, it really draws you to it. I mean, if you listen to Ian Curtis's uh, vocals outside of it, it's very tortured, very, uh, there's something about it. It's not a classically poppy voice, it, but it does draw you in and the musicianship behind it is incredible. It's this this pulsing, pounding, again, almost industrial beat that really, I mean, really draws you through. And it, re- it really reflects the pain in the music. And I think that's one of the keys to understanding Joy Division. Well, and Ian Curtis was in a lot of pain, and I want to talk about that here. Just to give everybody a bit of backstory, so as far as it relates to the Lesser Free Trade Hall show, Peter Hook from Joy Division was at the show. Uh, as the story goes, he bought a bass the day after the show. Like, he was, he was ready, to go, ready to roll. And Ian Curtis was hired from an ad, and they started under the name Warsaw. There are a lot of, like, weird Nazi mm-hmm. connections and symbols. Like, they're, they're not that they were Nazis, but there's a lot of connection to exploring the literature of and the symbols of Nazism. I don't know what to attribute that to, other than oh. part of the reason England was in such terrible shape their entire country had been destroyed by world war ii well i mean what's the most rebellious and shocking thing that you can do to the generation that preceded you connotation has changed as we've moved into our time Mm -hmm. the punks didn't believe in anything except scaring the hell out of their parents (laughs) but i bring it up because mm -hmm. the initial name warsaw was part Mm -hmm. of and and there are other parts of this too this fascination with germany and and this Mm -hmm. looking into the symbols of of nazi germany well well, i mean joy division was a thing a traveling group of prostitutes of sex workers that uh would go and um service german troops uh at the front lines or you know up towards the front of the fighting to you know alleviate the horrors of war for them. I mean, that was what they, that's what a joy, the joy division was and uh, very, very straightforward and very odd, of course, but incredibly um, odd. I think the band, there's a, there's a morbidity to it, but there's also, mm-hmm. and a shock value to it, but there's also mm-hmm. just a curiosity. Joy division took their name from this. They did a lot of groundbreaking things. They started out in a more 
punk space, but then, you know, synthesizers and all those things got, got brought in there. And I, I think we're not doing Joy Division a great service unless we talk about the stage presentation because that was such a big part of the shows and mm-hmm. Ian's dancing and, and jerky movements and how mm-hmm. much of that was actually dancing and how much of that was him having seizures. Yeah, he was uh, a very, very affected epileptic. I, I can't even imagine what it would be to be an epileptic and standing on a stage in front of a bunch of lights. I mean, that to put yourself out there, but also have the need to put yourself out there. I think that he had a certain sense of mortality that he wasn't going to be around very long. So he was going to do what he needed to do as quickly as possible. I think that really reflected also in the driving beat of the music in which we're going to do this, we're going to do this now. And there might not be a tomorrow. So here we go. There's a really tragic end, of course, to Joy Division. And that's Ian Curtis taking his own life in 1980. Um, Mm -hmm. He had had a lot of really bad episodes. Uh, They were trying to tour the U.S. And there was a lot of pressure on the band. Um, And then the next month, that's when their biggest hit, Level Tear Us Apart, comes out. And that's what's on his headstone. I, I don't know if there was really a whole lot of other places that band was going to go. I mean, that Ian Curtis was going to go. I mean, he, especially at that time with epilepsy, there weren't a lot of good treatments for it. Uh, And the ones that were there were drastic. Well, Peter Hook, the bass player for Joy Division, was at that Sex Pistols show. And that's how we're connecting Joy Division back to the Sex Pistols in this lesser Free Trade Hall show. So let's do Joy Division. We're going to do the big one. You got to do it. Level tear us apart. (laughs) It's the mixtape on 90.3 KRNU.
90.3 KRNU, welcome back to the mixtape. This week, something special. We're doing um, nine songs instead of 10 because we're taking a moment to talk about each one of them and the way it relates back to our theme this week. The theme is the Lesser Free Trade Hall show on June 4th, 1976, the very famous Sex Pistols show, only 40 people in the audience, and like, what, 20 or 25% of them went on to be in huge bands and make tons and tons of records and money, but also just influence music for decades. We have 80s bands on the list. We have 90s bands on the list. And uh, we just talked about Joy Division. There's a lot of ways to go with a band. When, when a band member leaves or passes away or whatever it is, you can continue on with the band with maybe a new lead singer or a different lineup. You can totally stop the band and just leave it all there or you can go a third way which is to reform a completely different kind of band with basically the same people and that's what joy division did and they called it new order it's an amazing band i mean i think anything that new order did could come out today and it would be even more successful i think than it was back in its time i can't even imagine nine inch nails existing if there wasn't new order it just wouldn't it wouldn't have come to pass i don't I wouldn't say that Trent Reznor would be painting houses, but I don't think he would be making the music that he's making. You, know? you mean like the Pixar movie Soul? <laughs> yeah, exactly. What exactly. is even happening? I'm so old. <laughs> I'm like, Trent Reznor? What's going on? <laughs> Bernard Sumner, who had a million different names and went by a thousand mm -hmm. different monikers, so we're just going to pick one and go with it. Stephen mm -hmm. Morris and Peter Hook. Uh, Peter Hook was at the Lesser Free Trade Hall Sex Pistols show. Mm -hmm. Then they formed Joy Division. Then they formed New Order. Now, mm -hmm. New Order had that sort of post-punk Manchester-y vibe, but got really electronic and very dancey with the mm -hmm. help of the Madchester Hacienda Club uh, factory records scene. I think one of the, the biggest, most influential things to come out of that lesser free trade hall was Tony Wilson and the sound of punk, the idea of punk and how it comes up from the streets and who's in the streets. It's these kids are going to go to the shows. So you've got to build your audience and your audience will build the bands that fill the spaces. Uh, that's, that was his aesthetic. Comparing New Order to the Pistols, it's, it's apples and oranges, of course, but, um, but it's not. It is right. that, that feeling that you get, not, not from hearing a specific you know, chord structure. It's, it's the sound of the people who are going to the clubs. It doesn't come from the outside in. It comes from the inside out. And I think that's the key to punk and any of the post-punk or any of the alternative music. I appreciate that perspective because so many times we sort music by genres and I think mm. it is just more accurate and that's the whole idea of this show to say that it is not really about the genre. It's not about whether Morrissey sounds like the Sex Pistols because he doesn't. It's about reflecting the society that you are in and the times and the, and the problems of the society that you're in. And it's about doing what you want to do and feeling that music through you as opposed to having some larger trend dictated to you. New Order, I love this about New Order. They play these super short sets and I'm sort of obsessed with the idea that Blue Monday, the biggest hit and the mm -hmm. one that we're gonna play came about completely by accident because they just didn't wanna do encores and they thought encores were total bullshit. So mm -hmm. what they did was they just pre-programmed all these drum beats and, and all of this stuff and started playing it at the end of their show and basically made a run for it. And by mm -hmm. the time people figured out that 
they weren't playing another song that it was just like over they're gone mm -hmm. they, they don't have mm -hmm. to do an encore and that became yeah. blue monday that is fantastic. I wish I would have thought of right? that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's such a, and that's what, that's why I love when you said that it doesn't sound like New Order doesn't sound like the Sex Pistols, but what's more Sex Pistol-y than yeah. like, how about this? We're just going to start playing a song and we're going to mm -hmm. leave. Yeah. We'll just uh, stand up some mannequins in the corner and that kind of looked like us and out the door we go. Blue Monday was never intended to be a radio single. That's why it's so mm. long. It's like yeah. over six minutes long. It was <laughs> mm -hmm. it was not a single, it was an escape plan. <laughs> well, isn't that what all music is though? It's, I it's mean. all a little bit of an escape plan. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> all right, this one's Blue Monday, it's New Order on 90.3 KRNU.
90.3 KRNU, welcome back to the mixtape. We are talking about the Sex Pistols Lesser Free Trade Hall show on June 4th, 1976. And I am here with Mark Wilson. So we're just talking through all of the amazing people who were in that 40 person crowd at that show who went on to do big things. So, so far we have the Buzzcocks, we have um, Joy Division and New Order. Now, to get even further away from a Sex Pistols aesthetic, we move to Morrissey, a man of many talents, a very nasally voice, and a very generally mopey attitude. Mm-hmm. Generally mopey. That's that's charitable. <laughs> well, okay. So Morrissey, uh, Morrissey was young at this show. Mm-hmm. Um, they were all kind of young, but Morrissey was really young. He wrote, he was a music journalist at the time. He was only 17 at the show. Mm-hmm. And he wrote, he wrote something, which is how you or I would say it. But he said he penned an epistle. <laughs> yeah, of course he did. Of course he penned an epistle. Yeah. If you would have said, what artist penned an epistle about a sex pistol show? I would have said, that's got to be Morrissey. Yeah, Am that, I right? That on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so he penned an epistle about <laughs> the sex pistol show and basically indicated that he thought he could, he could do that or do better. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so, you know, good on him. He then yeah. went on to form a band in his 20s. I'm not personally a huge fan of Morrissey's voice, but I understand why he's huge. I mean, I really do. So I, I don't mean to, you know, listen. Belittle I think anybody two, who loves- two things can be true. We can mm-hmm. appreciate someone's contribution without personally yeah. wanting to listen to Morrissey mm-hmm. all day, every day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've got to say, among influential bands, they are definitely right up there. I mean, Absolutely. And Johnny Marr's guitars are insane. It's, it's it's one of the reasons that I can actually listen to this miss is because, I mean, the music is incredible. It's just it fantastic. And what I think Morrissey does bring to the party, even if his voice isn't your particular brand of awesome, he mm-hmm. was a big literature guy. And you could, again, mm-hmm. pen an epistle, but mm-hmm. you can you get so much depth in what he's talking about. And you definitely, there's an authenticity to the Smiths. They formed in yeah. Manchester in 82. They, they liked the New York Dolls. They liked punk. They just didn't sound mm-hmm. like punk. Liking something and then doing your own thing is the most punk thing that you can possibly do. You know, yeah, these guys inspired me to do this, but I'm not playing that music. I'm playing my music. Uh, the Smiths tried to get on Factory Records because they were in Manchester at the time. That's what you would do. Factory Records are the, the biggest deal running. But Factory Records was incredibly synth at the time. And the Smiths didn't sound anything like that. So they sort of went a slightly different way, although they did perform at the Hacienda Club. So it's not like the two scenes didn't cross paths. They just weren't right for Factory Records at that time. Right. It is very, very much that aesthetic of the, the jangly guitar. And then you juxtapose that with the, the introverted, um, almost, you know, chin to the chest mm-hmm. singing of Morrissey. That's, that's a, and then you, you throw in the punk aesthetic as well. And that, that creates that new brew that really, I mean, it resonates. I mean, because yeah. picking things out of the past and, and reframing them again is a huge aesthetic with punk and you know that's that's where the smiths really really hit home that's where they touch a nerve and this is one of i think the lasting things of that lesser free trade hall show and the sex pistols and bands like that is even though the sex pistols were only together for 26 months little nuggets of of what they threw off right Mm -hmm. 
yeah. get into the DNA of what is to become the Manchester scene is what is to become um, this sort of highly verbal, super introspective, deep music of, of bands like the Smiths. It's like the mm-hmm. opposite of Kid Rock. <laughs> yeah, the, the very distant point in the universe away from Kid Rock, yes. Right, just uh, like... Woof. Yeah, it just gave me chills thinking about it. <laughs> You're like, oh, that's too much uh, for today. <laughs> exactly. All right, so uh, from the Smiths, we're going to play How Soon Is Now. It is my favorite Smith song. I mean, I know it's the popular one. I get it. 50 million Elvis fans can't be wrong, Mark. Exactly. It's the Smiths on the mixtape, 90.3 KRNU.
50.3 KRNU, that was the fall, totally wired. Of course, Mark E. Smith from the fall was at that Lesser Free Trade Hall show in 1976 where the Pistols headlined, and that is the whole theme of this mixtape. I am talking to Mark Wilson about all of these bands that came out of the shrapnel that was this moment in uh, rock and roll history, in punk history, in Sex Pistols history. And guess who else was at the Lesser Free Trade Hall show? Neil Tennant from the Pet Shop Boys. Pet wonderful band yeah so yeah. Did, were you into the pet shop boys in the 80s it was kind of out of my wheelhouse i thought but when you hear west end girls it is i mean it immediately sucks you in that band really reflects inner conflict with the world around you and how they look at you and how you look at them and class structure and things like that i i, I just think that they were an all-in-one thing pumped into some really danceable music I'm so glad you brought that up because it is truly one of my favorite things about British pop music from the 80s. Queerness, uh, especially with the Pet Shop Boys, it, that was all drawn into it as well. So there's there's a lot of stuff happening there. And it, it's a lot of stuff that was bubbling through England. I mean... And you, you referenced this earlier. So kids who don't have a lot of options, who don't have a lot of money because the economy is wrecked at this point, but the outlet is going to the clubs. And that's also the intersection of, of youth, LGBTQ youth, who mm -hmm. are trying to go out and who are trying to live their lives, but are feeling um, economic pressure, they're feeling societal pressure, and all of this art and music is coming up through that scene and through that lens made by these kids, loved by these kids. Mm -hmm. Neil Tennant was a little different in that he had some more inside track stuff than maybe some other people did. So he was a comic book artist and he was a journalist. And, um, and a lot of these guys dabbled in writing here, there and everywhere, right? Cause you mm -hmm. get the arts and creative stuff coming together. So he yeah. met Chris Lowe, one of the other Pet Shop Boys at a record store in 1981. Uh, one of them was buying a synthesizer. Yeah, of course. That's what you do back then. I mean. And Neil, then he was working for a magazine called Smash Hits. So they were putting together this band. They were working on some music. And um, uh, for Smash Hits, he went to the U.S. to interview Sting. I mean, no big like deal. <laughs> yeah, come on, you know. Minor like flex. So he goes to the U.S. to interview Sting. And then he sort of works his journalist magic and talks to Bobby O, who is the producer for a lot of big projects at the time, and was like, hey, how about, and slips him some of the Pet Shop Boys music that they had been working on. So then they were one of the few bands that really didn't go through this getting signed in the UK kind of thing. They came right to the US and made all of these big, big hits. Let's make lots of money, Mark. Yeah, that's what they exactly. Did. You pick up a guitar, you wanna make money for picking up a guitar. That's, that's just the way it is. And anybody who tells you differently is lying to you. Sonically, the Pet Shop Boys seem incredibly distant from mm -hmm. the Sex Pistols, but he very much was in the room when it happened. He was a young dude in the room when it happened, and it influenced him in a lot of ways. And this band, Pet Shop Boys, sold more than a million records worldwide. So mm -hmm. I just keep going back to this, like this little show in Manchester mm -hmm. that hardly anybody went to, and then we just start throwing the seeds of what was to become from all of these bands. So let's play West End Girls. This is the Pet Shop Boys on the mixtape on 90.3 KRNU. Sometimes you're better off dead. There's a gun in your hand that's pointing at your head. You think you're mad, too unstable. Kicking in chairs and knocking down tables in a restaurant in a West 
90.3 KRNU West End Girls. That's the Pet Shop Boys, uh, an incredibly successful band who, again, was in the room when it happened at the Sex Pistols show at Lesser Free Trade Hall in 1976, June 4th, 1976. This m- moment where punk just exploded and um, 
and and affected music for decades and decades to come through all of these bands influenced by that show and in attendance at that show so we're going to finish the show with what i think sonically is the song that's the most different from mm -hmm. the sex pistols but again he was there and that's mm -hmm. mick hucknall and simply red if there's a band from high school that i remember holding back the years by simply red it, it's okay. just such an it's just such an affecting song he's got such an affecting voice you can you can really feel the rawness and i you know that you think it's so different from punk you know it, it's it's not refined it's it's not packaged it is just the expression so i mean that's that's the punk aesthetic it's not what you do it's where you go with it and if you're mick hucknall you don't sing like johnny rotten you sing blue-eyed soul that's what you do mm -hmm. So yeah. you filter all of those influences and all of those same types of feelings into the thing that you do best. And mm -hmm. um, for, for Mick, they formed a, he formed a band called Frantic Elevators and they did mm -hmm. record this song with Frantic Elevators. But then after Frantic Elevators kind of went away, they re-recorded it with Simply Red. They rose from the ashes of punk, which what framework was left behind is where these bands climbed from. And that I think that's the most important part of punk is not its longevity because it did not have longevity. Um, Again, I just can't get away from this idea that it throws that it throws seeds everywhere, right? Mm -hmm. It's like it's like a dandelion that somebody blows on, which Johnny Rotten would totally hate that metaphor. But, <laughs> but. Well. <laughs> Depends on what day you catch him, I think, you know. That's true. But it's, and then it just goes, right? It just goes mm -hmm. everywhere. And so um, I love this theme because if there's one thing that drives me crazy, it's people who say that they just want like one type of music, one genre of music, mm -hmm. and they can't think bigger to the connection between all of these things and the way mm -hmm. that the Sex Pistols can translate into Joy Division, can translate into New Order, can translate into... Pet Shop Boys. Pet Shop Boys, <laughs> right, exactly. Pet Shop Boys into Simply Red. Mark, thank you for joining me. You're the best. Oh, no, well, I try. <laughs> Sometimes I succeed. You did it. You, you so nailed it. Yeah. Bam. <laughs>